Welcome to Unleashing Your Great Work, a podcast about doing the work that matters the most to you. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Kroll, a cognitive psychologist, coach, and the creator of the Great Work Journals. Every week on this podcast, we are asking the big questions. What is great work and why does it matter so much to us? What does it take to do more of your great work without sacrificing everything else? And how does the world change when more people are doing more of the work that matters the most to them? So whether your great work is building your own small business or managing a remote team at a multinational company, you'll find insight and answers here. Welcome, everybody, to Unleashing Your Great Work. I am so excited to have Gail Robertson on the podcast today. Gail brings an unfamiliar and fresh outlook to the more traditional manufacturing industry. This recovering journalist knows how to use curiosity to celebrate innovation and turn obstacles into opportunities. As a social media strategist and a keynote speaker, Gail can help just about anyone exercise their curious brain. She has found that with curiosity, so much is possible. You can step out of your comfort zone, overcome fear, do things you've never done before, meet amazing people, and show up with joy, passion, and enthusiasm. Welcome to the podcast, Gail. Woohoo! Can we hear an oh yeah? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know this, but she just did a little dance, so it was awesome. <laughs> oh, it's great to see you. Um, we're going to start where we always start. We're going to dive right in. And I'm going to ask you, Gail Robertson, what is your great work? Tell us a little bit about it. Okay, let's start with diving in a little splish splash. Great work <laughs> is about helping others to show up and stand out by sharing their story. Mm-hmm. It's so important that more people start doing this. And my great work centers around curiosity mm-hmm. and how to sign up, suit up and show up. Because when we start to show up, that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Say those three again, stand up, suit up. Nope. And sign sh- up, sign up. Tell me that. What are these three things? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's sign up, suit up and show up. The sign sign up is probably uh, hard for some easy for others. It's all about mindset. Mm-hmm. It's about starting to, you know, shift where you see those limits in your mind and mm-hmm. working to remove those and also believing in it. And I know this, you know, it sounds easy when you say it, it's a lot harder to do it. So mm-hmm. that's that signing up. It's, it's that first step and it's can be sometimes a lifelong process. So that's mm-hmm. the sign up, then the suiting up. Now, this is where it gets really fun and interesting for me and where <laughs> I help others to start doing their research to start doing the preparation. This Mm -hmm. is where you use curiosity to prepare yourself because curiosity, the more you're learning about something, it will help you overcome some fears because a lot of times we build up in our minds how difficult something will be. We build up in our minds that we think we can't. And when we suit up and we start digging down and really delving into whether it's listening to podcasts, whether it's talking to some new people, it's reading a book, it's you know, it's, it's really preparing uh, yourself for the final step, which is showing up. Mm. So once you do your signing up, you change your mindset, and then you get prepared, that's where you can then step out into the world and show up. Mm. And I, 
I often say sometimes you have to do a little bit of a fast forward through the first two steps to actually get out there and show up. And showing up can mean many different things. And it can mean showing up on video, but it can also be showing up on engaging on social media. It could be mm. showing up at an event. So showing up can mean different things. It can be some of those showing up can be easier for some than others. Mm. And then that's where we back up to looking at what your goal is before you're going to tackle these three steps. Hmm. And so the people you're helping to uh, sign up, suit up and show up are largely in manufacturing. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So is that a group of people that you feel really need help to, to really <laughs> show up in the world in this way that you're talking about? Y- yes. The short answer is yes. <laughs> uh-huh. And You know, I came out of my background, I've had a few different careers and it's led me into manufacturing. Before this, I had also worked in the world of insurance, insurance and technology. So I like to, you know, take the easy groups to tackle. (laughs) (laughs) And within manufacturing, you know, here is something that a lot of people, even for myself, didn't really understand. Like manufacturing seemed like this gray area because, mm-hmm. you know, we all understand when we get in a car, when we're using our end products, we understand that. But if you start asking, huh, what about all of the things that go into making the car? What about mm-hmm. all the things that go make into making all of our products? So then we back up to the world I'm in, which I specialize also in mold making and the plastic injection molding world. <laughs> And, you know, when I say that at a cocktail party, that's when people want to lean in and learn more for sure. (laughs) And if I just started there, they would go, oh, no way. But, you know, where I've come at it in terms of, you know, the world of plastics. So plastics is right now, there's a lot of controversy around plastic because we we hear about banning plastics. And instead, what we need to do is embrace how are we going to handle the world of plastics? you know, disposing plastics as opposed to getting rid of them. Mm. So go back to the world I got into, so manufacturing. So when I started, you know, pulling back that curtain and looking at, okay, we're asking questions. Okay, tell me about mold making. Well, the mold makers make the tools that then make the molds that then make the final products that we're going to use from everything from our car parts to, you know, those big totes that you put stuff into Mm -hmm. uh, our cell phone covers, Mm -hmm. uh, our water bottles, uh, the medical devices that save our lives. Well, that all comes from plastics. Mm -hmm. So once I started going back into this world, wow, there's so many stories and we, we talk about this industry as the people who make things that make things. Hmm. And once I started looking at it from that perspective, you know, that great work idea is about how can we start understanding where does everything come from and answering more questions so we don't just come to this, you know, resolute response, ban plastics, like Mm -hmm. don't do that. Um, You know, there's much more for us to learn. And when we learn more, that's when we can have a better understanding. Hmm. And so what you're saying then, Gail, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. (laughs) No, no. What you're saying then is that you used curiosity as a way to find the stories inside the world, plastic mold injected manufacturing. And that's really your great work, isn't it? It's really finding the humanity, the human story, the interest in a space that you find yourself in. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it applies to more than for anybody listening. This isn't just about manufacturing. It can be applied to 
anything that we're doing. Mm -hmm. It's about looking around corners and a famous quote from Walt Whitman that became very popular on the Ted Lasso show is be curious, not judgmental. Mm. And that is, that is part of my great work is to really start exploring and understanding better mm. about whatever client I'm working with, which right now is in manufacturing, but I also do work with the Canadian Mental Health Association. So yeah. there is other groups that I work with and a lot of these same rules apply. Yeah. So what is it about being uh, curious and not judgmental? Like, how, Why does that matter to you? Why does that feel to you like your great work to help people be curious instead of judgmental? Well, you know, when we, when we judge, we shut down, we, we don't want to necessarily hear another perspective and it, it closes us off from seeing another way of looking at things. So this applies to all relationships as well. So I use it with clients because when I got curious instead of judgmental about, you know, Ban, you know, banning plastics is one example. Imagine if we ban plastics, no more plastic, let's say ban plastics, no more plastic. What would our world look like? Well, that would create so many other problems, of, mm -hmm. you know, from, you know, uh, health issues from, you know, making sure we have the right, um, you know, cleanliness, like there's a reason we have plastic. So instead, when you start digging into this world, I realize it's not about banning plastics. What we do have to do is advocate for better disposal of them for mm. reusing, recycling. And then the other part of that being not judgmental is applies to other relationships, because if we say, you know, oh, I'm not going to listen to another view. We don't, progress forward. We don't have innovation and curiosity mm -hmm. leads to innovation. So if we say I'm right and no one else is right, then we can't see, um, you know, one example would be, you know, uh, um, Albert Einstein said, you know, I'm not, we basically said, I'm not really all that much, but I'm passionately curious because he mm -hmm. was all about, you know, uh, asking questions and not accepting the status quo. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. What I think is really interesting is that all of the the world that we live in is so much more complex than it is reflected to be when people are talking about in social media, of course, or any media, really, because when you are really trying to explore the depths of any problem, banning plastics, uh, policy issues, education, healthcare, all of it is really complex. And there's all these push and pulls. And you would shut that down if you didn't activate curiosity. If you weren't like, I need to know more. I need to see what's really going on. And as you pointed out, that is where innovation lives. That's, and in, that's where the solution lives. So I think it's a really important piece of work that you're doing. And it, it applies to so many others doing great work. Cause there yeah. are, if you look at you know, the most successful people, the most successful people have often failed the most. And we, we do have, we tend to have this fear of, um, you know, failing and fear of looking silly. And we have so many fears. And instead, when we can get curious, we can maybe realize, well, you know, if you looked at a lot of the failures in world, in the world, there's a lot more people that have, um, it, like they didn't out of the gate, didn't have success. Um, you know, John Grisham, his book, he was rejected from his mm. early transcripts, I think like 28 times. Mm -hmm. um, Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for the Soul. I mean, I think he had like a hundred times. He just didn't, but he didn't give up. And, you know, we often 
want to just think that, oh, you know, that person is successful. I can't achieve that because we may try to do something and then we may drop the ball. We may fail. We may not have success. And this is where, when you start digging into that, seeing, seeing the world from a different view, you can then realize, oh, all of these people mm. failed a lot. So mm. what happens if I fail? What will happen? What if I go out on a limb? What if I, you know, make that call? I try doing something different. What will happen? Mm. What will really happen? Not, not our perception of what will happen and not what we fear will happen. What will really happen if we try something different? Right. In a matter of fact, kind of everyday kind of way, what would actually happen if we tried? And is this, does this resonate right. with your personal experience that, you know, have you failed at anything, Gail Robertson? Like, have you had the experience of trying and failing and trying new things? Like what has your path been to this, to this place? Well, I, you know, when I see, man, I have had, you know, lots of things I've done. I've failed. I've made mistakes. I've, you know, there's, there's examples of, you know, you, you, something goes out with a typo. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, you know, from my journalism days, there's, you know, lots of mistakes. And I think for myself, what I see as, um, you know, there was a great quote from um, Thomas Edison, uh, you know, I think it took like a thousand times, tried to, you know, come up with the light bulb idea. And a reporter once asked him, you know, how, do, how does it feel to fail a thousand times? He said, I didn't fail a thousand times. I had a hundred steps towards mm -hmm. coming up with my light bulb invention. So, um, you know, it all depends on perspective. So I guess when I look back, my recollection of failures is I usually just see it as, well, that was an interesting uh, <laughs> approach. You know, what, mm -hmm. and what did I learn from it? So I'm on my fifth career. So mm -hmm. I started out as a journalist, worked in that world. Uh, now, when I was going to journalism school, one of the, the sayings we had was, you know, out to change the world on deadline. Mm -hmm. I went into it with that mindset. I thought I was going to change the world. So I got into journalism. Well, over the years, I was just over a decade and realized maybe that wasn't the place that I was going to be able to change the world. So I took a little detour and um, I left that world and I went and ran a bed and breakfast, totally unrelated to anything other than I, you know, I thought I'd maybe running away to an island with, you know, I'd have like magically the world would change. And it was a great experience. I learned about running a business, great, great opportunities. Then after that, uh, for a bunch of reasons, I left that, I went through a divorce. So I guess that could be seen as a failure. You know, I, I didn't plan to have a divorce, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. go into it thinking you're going to have success. So, um, and then I decided to take another uh, shift, another turn. I went into, I was hired as a fundraiser. Now I had no experience as a fundraiser. Um, but I was hired because I utilized transferable skills. Mm. And when I went in for the interview, that's what I talked about. Research, asking questions, uh, being able to pick up the phone and call people, all things I could do as a reporter really translated well into being a fundraiser. I had a goal of a million dollars, reached that goal after a year. Then I went, was hired by one of the campaign cabinet members, was a marketing manager for uh, just over a decade again. <laughs> and then when they were selling to an international company, I knew there really wasn't going to be a role. So I decided to go to my own as Gail now. 
And wow. now I'm chief curiosity officer at Gail now. <laughs> chief curiosity officer. That's my favorite uh, <laughs> title ever, maybe. I love it. And so the kinds of work that you do now for people, you said, you know, you help them show up, suit up and no, nope, I messed it up again. Yep. Uh, sign up, sign up, suit up, suit up, then show up. Show up. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that actually look like? So that's the, that's sort of the catchphrase, but what kind of work are you actually doing for them? Well, it is about, you know, working with the right clients as well. So that's another thing that's really changed for me at this point in my life and my career is that, you know, sometimes you have to also say no to certain things because then mm-hmm. you can say yes to the great opportunities. Mm-hmm. So the people I work with now all have embraced the sign up part. They mm-hmm. have the right mindset. They have, I'm not convincing them, especially in 2022, that social media and using marketing is needed. So they get mm-hmm. that. The suit up part, well, that's about me digging in, asking questions. So I'm that pain in the butt that's going to be asking them lots of questions and trying to figure out things. So they want me on board because I am the person that will deliver to them options, opportunities, and also push them forward to recognize their great stories and their great work. Mm. Often they don't acknowledge the idea of the great work. Mm. And what you're doing, Amanda, is so great because you're putting a spotlight and yes, thank you for putting a spotlight on me, but my, (laughs) where I shine my spotlight is on people in other industries, insurance, Mm -hmm. now manufacturing and helping them to then show up. And I have to give them a nudge sometimes, but when they do listen to me (laughs) and when they take my direction, Mm -hmm. because of my background as a journalist, as a journalist, you are in service to the audience or Mm. you should be. That's not always the case currently, I'd say, but Mm -hmm. your, your, your goal as a reporter is to go out and deliver a story to your audience. My job in manufacturing is to help deliver their story to their audience. Mm -hmm. And quite a few times I say, it's not what they want to share. It's not what they Mm -hmm. think it's important. What will your audience thinks is important? And that is part of the great work I do and the great work that I'm helping shine a light on. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, you've got to check out the great work community. The Great Work Community is where change-making entrepreneurs make drama-free progress together. Come on over for a co-working, accountability, coaching, and just-in-time courses. Check out The Great Work Community. The link is in the show notes. Yeah, I think that's a hard mindset for a lot of people who haven't worked in uh, marketing or journalism or any of those sort of communication industries where, I mean, I haven't done much of that either, you know, as a psychologist, we think a lot about the person that you're sitting in front of us, but I had a communication undergraduate degree. So I had to take <clears throat> as an undergrad, like PR and marketing and what have you. So I remember really thinking like, this is a very different way of looking at the world, anticipating who might hear it, what's going on in their lives. What are they going to hear and what you say? Because what you say isn't what matters. It's what they hear. That is what matters. And I think that's quite a difficult shift. And along with it comes the worry that the person listening isn't going to care at all, right? Like I don't have anything that they would find interesting. So I'm wondering if those are things that you have to really talk to these guys about and when you're sort of finding their stories and what other struggles do they have 
as you're trying to get them to sort of share their stories, their perspectives, their, you know, humanness to their audiences. That is the biggest, the biggest hurdle to get over is for them to get out of their own way. And, Mm. you know, I think we all face that we all need to, at times, get out of our own way. Um, I often say when my talks, I say, you know, just take the damn cold shower because mm-hmm. that's something that I do as a habit. I've developed a habit of taking a cold shower every morning. That was a habit that I developed, but I did research about that, about how that not only helps with your immune system, your skin, but it actually, when you do a difficult thing, first thing in the morning, it mm-hmm. helps you do other difficult things. Mm-hmm. So part of my role is to sometimes get them to take the cold shower, right? (laughs) So it's about, also, there's someone that I know through my networking world named Usama, and he said, every person is the hero of their own story. Hmm. I need to help my clients get to that point where they can see themselves as the hero and also see their great work, and then show not tell. Because I'm helping them with some of the posting, I can go back and this comes in with the data and analytics and show them posts that have done mm-hmm. really well, get lots of engagement, lots of impressions. Cause it's not just how many eyeballs, but how many people stop to comment, how many people stop mm-hmm. to make, you know, uh, say a like, or give a, Hey, yeah, I love this. Mm-hmm. And once I can show them that they go, Oh, okay. Maybe she does know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. And I am able, thank to things like Google analytics and things to tracking and data, I can mm-hmm. show what are the posts that are important. And we, there was one post, uh, one of my clients did, it was a piece of machinery. It was a very simple video, like a really simple clip. And I just said, put some words down and, you know, I can help edit and And it was posted and it, it blew up. It was so successful. And he said, after he says, that just seems so commonplace. Mm-hmm. And I go, exactly. We overcomplicate so much in life. Mm-hmm. We you know, it is something we need to get past. And I know one of the things that helps with that is something like your aligned time journal, because that helps people. (laughs) Yes, it does. Get get out of their way. And, you know, we have to sometimes put those processes in place. So my three-step plan or your aligned time journal, all of these things are to help people to move forward to achieve those goals. Because Mm -hmm. I listen to, uh, I do uh, this online, you know, strength training and uh, it's called HasFit. I'll give a plug to them. And it's a husband and wife team. And they always say, you know what, whatever you're doing right now, you're further ahead than the person sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. That is very motivating for me. Cause I'm like, even if I just do half the training today, I'm further ahead than the person doing nothing. Right. That applies to so many things around our great work. Yeah. It's true. And what's interesting about it is helping, like you said, something about taking a cold shower, like doing the hard thing. And it's interesting how quickly we forget how good we are at doing the hard thing, right? Because what's hard, what was hard three weeks ago, isn't hard anymore. And then we just rewrite history as though it was never hard. And then we look forward to the things that we don't know how to do. And we have the same kind of fear about it. Even though if you look back in time, you realize you've overcome so many things already. And so really like as humans, one of the things that's really interesting um, in your approach is like when we're curious, not just about, um, you know, other people, but also about ourselves, 
we can discover that we have everything we need to do our great work because it, it wouldn't be your great work if you couldn't do it. And so that's, I find that also really, you know, being curious about yourself can be a very uh, empowering thing. So how do you, how do you help your clients kind of get into that mindset, get over that insecurity um, and start really sharing the stories of their great work? With a great deal of patience and mm. grace. <laughs> um, this is where it is also about, for me, you know, finding the right clients to work with. And it's like any relationship, mm. you know, it takes two to have success in a relationship. It can't be one-sided. Um, and we see what happens. If it's one-sided, there's going to be problems. So if you have both people going in the right direction, you can have success. How do I help them? It is about providing the steps. It's providing mm. things like things don't happen overnight. I'm the kind of person, one of my, um, one of the salespeople I work with, he said, uh, you know, you come in guns a blazing and that can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Part of me coming out with my three steps is to break it down for people because uh. I am working with a lot of engineers. So it's helpful to not get ahead of ourselves and I have to remember what was easy, what is easy for me, because I've been doing social media, I'm immersed yeah. in it, I'm mm -hmm. interested in words, and I'm interested in storytelling. They have expertise, though, in their industry and about their process steps. It's about finding that balance of here's what I bring to you, and here's what they bring to me. And then instead of expecting them to do a post, say, on LinkedIn every week, Often when I say is, okay, start with going in and engaging on other people. So you don't have to start with new content. Mm -hmm. You can go out and engage and support other people. And that may be step one. Then step two could be, what if you did one post a month? Can you mm -hmm. do that? Consistency will always trump, you know, uh, out of the gate doing 10 posts the first week and then going, yeah. oh, this is too much, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's about that mapping out. And again, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's where having those process steps and having a good planner. And I know, you know, not to give too many plus, but I mean, it, it, does, it does help to have, um, you know, guides or a way to, to plan out how you're going yeah. to get to those goals because you can have a goal mm. and without having that longer term view of things, you can start out of the gate strong and then falter and sure. then just give up. Fizzle right away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. for sure. So that's interesting. And when you and thank you for plugging the the journals. Well, I appreciate it. Plug because you are and you are someone who in my life helped me to, you know, really unearth that whole idea of curiosity. To be honest, I didn't think, I didn't really think curiosity because I, I thought it was just normal or I thought it was, you know, <laughs> everybody had this. And what I'm learning is yes, to a certain degree, it's innate for me, but it has grown over the years. I didn't come out of the gate like this, but I I've developed it. And mm -hmm. I talk about curiosity. It's like a muscle. You have to exercise it you have to utilize it and you know in my role of chief curiosity officer <laughs> I want to get other people to start exercising that muscle because when you get more curious that's when you can get outside your comfort zone and then into that growth zone 
Mm-hmm. If you want to move forward, you are sometimes going to have to do the things that are tough. Mm-hmm. And usually the tough things are more in our mind than in reality. It's true. Yeah. <clears throat> and I like what you, what you said there about curiosity sort of being a natural thing for you and you starting out thinking like, oh, everybody's got curiosity. What's interesting about that is it's very similar to what your manufacturer people are saying, like, this is so boring and normal. Meanwhile, I've never seen an injected plastic mold thing be made, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of like, I don't know if you watched Mr. Rogers as a kid, but <clears throat> when he would take you to the factory that made the crayons and I was like, what is happening? What, what, but a guy who works at a crayon factory is like, eh, it's just life. It's just my every day. Yet to the rest of us, it's fascinating. And so I think like getting curious about yourself and uh, sort of looking at yourself from the outside and realizing the things that are very normal for you, very every day are probably the things that would be most interesting to other people is a really big mindset shift. It is. And for anyone listening, and if you're on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. I would strongly encourage you to follow Jake Hall. And he's okay. known as the manufacturing mm-hmm. millennial. He <laughs> posts the coolest videos about, you know, everything from making donuts to making, he just did one on how pretzels are made. Nice. He's done one on how Legos are made. And it's just, it's, it brings it down. And he is a girl dad. He has two little girls. And what he's working on doing too, is trying to get more girls into STEM and, Mm -hmm. and open up this, like, how can we expand, uh, getting more girls and more people overall into manufacturing? There is a great need. There is jobs. There will be, you know, more and more, uh, job openings, career openings in manufacturing. That's another passion, kind of a, a, another part of my great work. I want to make a change to open up the door Give everyone a backstage pass to what's happening in the manufacturing world and say, hey, everybody, parents, parents of children and young people coming up, here's an opportunity for a great mm-hmm. career that is only going to expand. And it's no longer just, you know, dirty shop floors. I've been out on a lot of shop floors. I just came from, um, uh, you know, a, a mold maker today. I mean, it's, there's, it's not what everybody perceives it to be. It's actually, there's a lot of things done all now by computer. Mm -hmm. Um, There's people working at desks, you know, that are connecting up what's happening on the shop floor to, to designing parts. It really is fascinating. The degree of job opportunities. Fascinating. So Gail, what is it about all of this? The full gamut of it from the helping people, you know, find their voice and share their stories and uh, putting, bringing, you know, the spotlight back on manufacturing and adding nuance to the conversation. What is it about this world that you've created for yourself and your business here that you love? What is it that lights you up? What, what's your favorite part about it? Well, I do like a challenge and I like success. <laughs> and I, I am, you know, people would say I'm somewhat competitive in some areas. So <laughs> I like to see change and mm-hmm. where I'm able to see a lot of change right now is in manufacturing because there is so much opportunity for me to bring my skills of storytelling and, you know, that showing up into this world. So I start to see some of these positive changes. One of my clients has had success now, not only because of the marketing world, but it's a whole gamut, but during the pandemic 2020, they had 
their most successful year ever. Wow. And I came on board sort of 2019. Oh, <laughs> coincidence? <laughs> I think not. not. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's also about, you know, the people I'm meeting. I've always said, you know, meeting someone that uh, also has passion about this, it's sort of infectious. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it starts to spark something in my brain. And when I talk about curiosity, because I've done a lot of research around this, there are things that when your brain is sparked with something new, then you want to learn something else new. And then once you learn that new thing, you might take a chance doing something different. Mm-hmm. I've had I've never liked heights. And I used to always say, oh, I'm afraid of heights, afraid of heights. So if you recall, when we were in Toronto, remember the CN Tower story, the glass, I do, I do. how many elephants can jump on top? Well, that young man that we met, I connect with LinkedIn. He sent me a message and said, because remember, I was afraid to, I said, what if we both go and walk on it on this glass floor? And we did. Yes, I remember said, this. He said that was so almost life-changing for him because for him to try something like that, it, it's a memorable moment. And he, he sent out of the blue, just sent me a message thanking me for that. Well, wow. I was just on a trip recently with friends and they wanted to go to the skywalk at the Grand Canyon. And I'm like, oh boy. And they're talking about how many Boeings can sit on this. And I'm like, so we're going to walk on glass on the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This. Is... So I said, yes. And I'm going to yeah. do this. Went ahead and did it and went to the Grand Canyon. And you know what? It was so I actually looked down the, cr- they had this crack <laughs> in the glass and I was like, I didn't have the same fear uh-huh. in between all this. I've actually also gone zip lining. Oh, wow. And so it's about, you know, I did all my research, explore this. And since I've been doing these things now, I'm like, Hey, I could go on the skywalk at the grand Canyon. Now I'm not going to jump from a plane or do anything like that. <laughs> I don't have any desire to do that, but right. it's, it is about challenging our brains. And when we do that, it helps us to do other difficult things. Cause if you can do this difficult, this difficult, it is, again, it goes back to mindset. Yeah. And it's, you, you talk about the muscle of curiosity and I think that the muscle of courage, there's also a muscle of courage, like in part, because you realize actually the risk is not so high. You know, you realize that, yes, I'm a little nervous. It, it, It goes in your brain. It goes down a notch. First it was like, I'm terrified. And then it's like, I'm a little very nervous. And it's like, I'm kind of nervous. And it's like, I would rather not. And then it's like, okay, if you want to. And then it's like, let's do it. You know, like that's, yeah. and the, then we look back and rewrite history as that was never a big deal. Forgetting how courageous we've been. That's actually a really good point because the muscle of curiosity led to the muscle of courage. Mm-hmm. And you can also realize, like I said, I don't have to, okay, I could have lived my life probably not liking heights and not doing mm-hmm. this. And, but when I looked into it, I said, yeah, you know, they're built. If you look at engineering, you look at how all of this mm-hmm. is built, how many people, okay, how many people, how many people have gone crashing through the glass to their death? Okay, none, right? Nobody, <laughs> none. Right, good news. It, it's, that is not, now, you know, just sidebar story. This is just an interesting thing. When I was at the Grand Canyon, because this is being Canadian. And when I go to the States, here's what's yes. interesting. When I went to the Grand Canyon, they have this flimsy little rope. That's all there is. It is a little, a little sign that says danger. And I'm looking. So I, of course I had to peer over a little bit. Uh-huh. I'm like, that's it. This, this rope is all that's stopping us. So it really is interesting about the States. It's like, there's a bit more of like 
freedoms, I would say to, you know, make some decisions or not. <laughs> but I just found that really fascinating how, uh, how little, uh, you know, there was no barricade, there was nothing there, there was no big, massive signs, uh, just mm-hmm. a little rope. That was it. <laughs> At rope is very important. <laughs> you know, Gail, you know, I was listening, you know, so you were telling that story about, so Gail and I, she lives in Canada, but not in Toronto, in uh, Windsor. Windsor, yes. And so we met in Ontario for a conference and we went to the top of that tower and looked at, that's mm. what she was talking about. Now you're telling me the story, which of course I know that you and this guy, this random stranger person <laughs> got, went to the top of the, you know, like jumping on it. And you had this big moment. I think I was videoing it because I'm actually yes. not afraid of heights. <laughs> okay. So that's where the story ends for me. And that's where the story would have ended for 99.9% of people, but not for Gail Roberts. Oh no. Gail's going to find you on LinkedIn. She's going to connect with you. You're going to thank her. She's going to be telling your story on a podcast. So, you know, I think it's one of these things where like, actually your great work has got to be partly about the ability to see people, connect with people, feel known by people, stay in contact with people, remember them in the moments when they need to be remembered. It's just remarkable how well you are able to build relationships. And I would say that does tie back to the showing up in curiosity because I'm using Mm. curiosity. I am showing up and part of showing up is making those connections. Mm. And, uh, you know, I also do definitely advocate for the use of social media, digital marketing, even though I came from using, you know, um, uh, a manual typewriter at one point. Mm -hmm. And again, it's really about those transferable skills and now using, social media to stay in touch and finding the positives of social. We can find a lot, again, mindset. We can find lots of reasons to dislike social media, to come up with reasons why I don't want to use it. Mm-hmm. And instead I look at reasons to grow from it, to use mm. it. Jake Hall being an example, Jake Hall has become a mentor of mine in the manufacturing world. I'm now part of, you know, a group that he invited me into um, the manufacturing mafia group we're known mm. as. <laughs> And that started because of social media. Mm-hmm. I was also invited to the Plastics Technology Expo as, you know, and I use the term rather loosely as an influencer, but they invited me to come because they wanted help. You know, they wanted to spread the word about the show and about plastics. And at one point when they asked me, I kind of looked over my shoulder like me, what? Mm-hmm. And, and all because of social media. And it's mm-hmm. about curating your social media. You don't have to follow everyone. You don't have to, you can... I said, there's a scroll button for a reason. Mm. You can choose who is in your circle. Mm -hmm. If you remember back when we were at Heroic Public Speaking, I also talked about, remember, social network theory. Yeah. Ties and strong ties. So we can still reach out to those weak ties, which is are actually people that can cross our paths that we're just meeting and learning about. And it can really add so much joy to our life when we find other like-minded, passionate people. That's Mm. how I use social media. No, I love it. Well, I think a lot of people are probably wondering how they could learn more about you, uh, see what kind of work you're doing. Follow, follow Gail on Twitter. She is a Twitter storm all by herself. (laughs) Um, So tell us, how can we uh, get to know you a little bit more? Well, Twitter for sure. I also do, uh, I'm on LinkedIn and I do have a show up with Gail now live show every Wednesday 
1 p.m. Mm -hmm. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> and I have people on that are showing up in various aspects of manufacturing, or they're showing up in a way that can help people in manufacturing show up. So I have different guests that uh, I talk to. Mm -hmm. I'm also on Instagram, Gail Now One. Not as much in there, but I, I still have some fun there, do the odd boomerangs and such. Mm -hmm. I am on TikTok. Oh, you're on TikTok? I am on TikTok as Gail Now. Uh, more for fun. I, I sort of, it's a bit hit and miss what I do there. I'm kind of exploring. It's a great way that I've learned how to test out some things. Mm. And uh, it's sort of my fun thing right now. Uh, and on my YouTube, Gail Now is where all my past shows are housed as well. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to one of my previous shows, uh, YouTube is the place to go. And then I have my website, gailnow.com. But if you look up Gail Now, you'll find me. That's you. And I'll put all of the links in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for your time, Gail. This was really interesting. I think people are going to have been, you know, just sort of inspired to do two. Wait, let me see if I can do it. Two. Sign up. Suit up. And <laughs> show up. <laughs> oh, I did it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Amanda. Great All work. Right. Thank you for joining us today on Unleashing Your Great Work. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And make sure you check out the Great Work Journals to get the support you need to get started, stay at it, and unleash your great work out into the world. <laughs>